morning, lab rats. Good morning. Good morning. Today we're shifting gear. Today is Greedy Bastard Day. The secret to riches, lab rats, is the same as the secret to comedy. Timing. Everybody, this is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. We opened up with that clip from a movie called A Good Year, and he's actually talking about making money. And of course, the song the song clip is "Big Money" from Grush. You know what? I just think timing. Uh, there's been so much stuff talking about timing of when you raise a flag when somebody dies, and all the intense stuff going over uh, going on over uh, John McCain. And uh, then uh, we also saw a bunch of people make some big money in the stock market this week uh, because a little thing Trump did. You know what? I think Trump is. Uh, you know what they say? Uh, all uh, all uh, public. Uh, you know, all publicity is good publicity. No, just spell my name right. So uh, so anyway anyway we're gonna talk about all that stuff that's going on and more and uh, and in addition to the timing thing. I don't talk a lot about uh, about mortgages, but right now, timing is great if you're a buyer. If you're a buyer, the real estate market has just softened up. That If you're a buyer, it's a great time to go make some offers. Go make some offers below listing price or you know, check with your realtor before you do that because maybe they just dropped listing price. But uh, things have gotten soft over the last few weeks, over the last few months actually. It's a great time, but before we go on to all that other stuff, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender, which is why I talk about real estate in a little bit. Uh, so, uh, so if you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need some financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone because uh, you don't want me to hear your voice, or worse, you don't want your coworkers to hear what you're talking about when you're talking about your personal stuff, go to wccloans.com, www.wccloans.com. Uh, click on looking for a loan, click on apply now, and uh, give me as much information as you want. And tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from uh, myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Alex Rojas, Cody Bradbury, or Aaron Fredericks, and we will help you find the missing piece to your real estate financing puzzle. If you hear something on the show that you want uh, repeated, you can get the podcast on edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Go to the podcast page, and you can hear this show as well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on... Uh, uh, SoundCloud or iTunes where you can uh, subscribe for free, have it download to your computer, your phone, your iPad, your iPod, your mini pad, your maxi pad, anything else that you can listen to podcasts on and uh, hear it on demand. Um, follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman where I tweet. You know what? I see everybody with all these at things and I have at Ed Hoffman. I don't have any numbers behind it. Uh, I think I signed up like in 2009, didn't know what 
Twitter was. And I uh, never used it till about two or three years ago. But uh, but you can uh, find me on Twitter, at Ed Hoffman. And you can get me on uh, Facebook. Uh, the Facebook page for the show is facebook.com slash the main event, Ed Hoffman. And uh, one last thing before we go any further. If you uh, want to leave me some comments on anything you hear on the show, uh, you like it, you don't like it, you think I'm a, a moron or you think I'm a brilliant, uh, go to the listener hotline. You can leave a recorded message. Uh 855-640-2092. All right. So uh, in the studio with me this week, as it is, it's been like three weeks since you've been in here. Four it has weeks. been a while, Ed. It That's has a, been a while. All right. So uh, Mr. Scott McAfee, uh, proprietor of Bot- Scott's Bikes. but yeah. I'm sorry, Don's Bikes. Scott runs it. It's his dad's name. Don's Bikes in Rialto and Redlands. Well, one of the top 100 bike shops in the country. Scotty. Ed, it's always, be gr- it's always great to be back in the house. And that's what you always say. You got to come up with something new. All right, all right. Of course, I say the same thing every every week too to, <laughs> to open up my show. So let's let's talk about what's going on. There's a lot of there's a lot of foolishness going on. A lot of a lot of a lot of noise being made about little piddly stuff. And uh, you know what? No matter what Trump does, he can't he can't get ahead. So uh, well, he can't. Well, he's getting ahead. The question is, is he can't make he can't make Democrats happy. Democrats won't be happy if he dumped a million dollars if he put if he deposited a million dollars in each one of their bank accounts. Oh, they'd find some reason to find out that he stole it from somebody. Yeah, but they'd still keep it though, Ed. Yeah, I know. That's uh that's how Democrats are. So uh John McCain, Arizona Senator and two thousand eight Republican nominee for president, died this week at his ranch in Cornville, Arizona. Uh we all knew it was coming. Um, cause he's had, he announced he had a, a brain tumor. I don't know why he ran for reelection in, uh, 2016. And, uh, for the most part, he's been out of the Senate for a year, at least, I think. I don't know why he didn't resign. So they could have put someone else who could vote Republican in there. Um, but we knew he was, we knew he was in bad health. And uh, Friday, last Friday, he announced that there he was no longer uh, wanting any more medication. He was probably in a coma at the time um, because he died the next morning or the next afternoon. So uh, here's a here's a few uh, choice choice uh, comments from uh, Mitch McConnell, uh, the uh, Senate Majority Leader. It is our honor as Americans to say to the late great John Sidney McCain III what we pray he has already heard from his creator. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. You fought the good fight. You finished the race. You kept the faith. And you never gave up the ship. Well, I will say he does fight the good fight. He was a... uh... He was a uh, uh, veteran in Vietnam. He was uh, five years in the Hanoi Hilton. And uh, the stories that, the, as I understand it, the stories are um, he got really badly injured in his plane crash. And uh, he didn't. And he got abused at the Hanoi Hilton. And uh, at some point they found out who he was and they were going to release him. And he said, no, I'm not, I'm not leaving until all my guys are released. And stayed in there, and he was uh, in solitary for four years out of the five years he was there. And uh, for that, for that, we all salute him for his uh, service to our country. Um, here's uh, Chucky e. Schumer, the Senate Minority Leader, with his comments. He was equally parts funny and furious, foul-mouthed and statesmanlike. He could put the temper in temperament. 
He was a brave and honest man. He was a patriot. He was all those things throughout his life, usually more than one at once, until his very last days. Remarking on the character of America, Senator McCain said that we live in a, quote, big, boisterous, brawling, intemperate, restless, striving, daring, brave, good, and magnificent country. Truer words could not be said about the man himself. So uh, trying to be fair and balanced, we want to give all the good stuff about McCain. Um, well, you know, it's interesting because our culture does have a tendency to glorify people and to put them in the best light after they, they've died. And that's just kind of the way we are, whether that's accurate or not or right or wrong, kind of hard to say. Well, certainly one, a few things we can say about John McCain. He definitely did suffer for his country. All of us, including most of us who are listening right now, we can't imagine what it was like to be a prisoner in a in a Vietnamese POW camp. You, you can't imagine that. Definitely, it was it was horrible. Uh, he was tortured. There's a lot of speculation. Did he talk? Did he not talk? I, I can't even put myself in that kind of situation. Um, also, he did help normalize relations with Vietnam, uh, which shows that you know he obviously wanted to to make amends for what what happened during the war. Um, he was an opponent of torture, you know, and I think we can all debate, well, what does torture mean? I mean, this is, it's kind of understandable, perhaps coming from someone who experienced torture firsthand. For me, you know, waterboarding's not torture. I don't think this country's ever committed torture on anybody that I'm aware of. There's kind of a definition. So yeah, well, you know, what do you define as actual torture? I think we've got guys in, in military prison for putting underwear on, uh, on uh, uh, some of the POW's heads. Uh, in Abu Ghraib, Abu Ghraib, was that uh, Iraq? Uh, they, they had the military prison, and some of the guys uh, put some underwear on top of the on the prisoners' heads and took pictures of them. And we put those guys in jail. So I have a, I have a hard time thinking that we'd let somebody get away with some actual torture. And you know, pouring some water in a guy's face uh, with a blindfold on doesn't seem like torture to me. Yeah, and I would agree. And, and certainly, nobody can deny that McCain did serve in office for a very long time. And again, that was a combination of good and bad. And we'll get to a little bit of both, certainly before we're yeah, done. He was, he was uh, two terms, two terms congressman. So that's four years mm -hmm. and six terms as a senator. So that's 36 years. So he's put in, he was 40 years, 40 years in uh, Congress, in Congress. That's a long time. It's a long time. Yes, it was. So uh, we salute him. We salute him for that. However, should we go to the other side now? Oh, sure. Why not? <clears throat> so uh, I'll just say that I was over at the Victoria Club a few months back, and uh, one of my friends who's a military, uh, military family and uh, retirees uh, made some comment about what a jerk our president is. And I said, and I'm not wanting to get into an immediate fight. I said, well, yeah, but yeah, maybe he is a jerk, but you know, do you think anybody else would have would have uh, be able to get things done the way he's getting things done, and uh, she said, and she said she made a comment about uh, the things he's talks the the offensive things he said about McCain, and I said, well, you know what, people say things, people say things, you know, during an election that um, to get a reaction, to get things done, to to back other people off, whatever, and so, and they don't always mean everything. She goes. Yeah, but, yeah, but, and I said, I said, you know what, from what I'm told, McCain wasn't a saint himself either. 
She goes, what do you mean? I go, well, I was told, you know, while he was in the Hanoi Hilton, uh, he, he had some, uh, some uh, beauty queen as a, as a wife and, a, and he had a, a, a child or two by this, uh, by this person. And, uh, when he got out, I'm not positive that he had a child or two by, I think he did, but, uh, when he got out of, uh, apparently she had a car accident while he was in, while he was a prisoner. And when he, when he got out, she had some scars and had gained some weight and, uh, he dumped her and, uh. You know, she stayed and, and supported the family and did all that stuff while he was a prisoner and he got out and he dumped her then, uh, which to me, you know, your wife gains a little weight and, uh, you dump her. I just, I just don't see that as a, as a, as a, uh, a trait that I admire. And then apparently he married Cindy, who's a very attractive lady. And, uh, and the word is that their marriage was, you know, he's wasn't very nice to her and, uh, you know, he's nice to her in front of the cameras, but basically they lived two separate lives and she was a, she was a, uh, for show. And, uh, you know, and I just don't, I just think that, you know, everybody's got skeletons in their closet. Nobody's mm-hmm. perfect. I don't hold it against him, but when we're going to, when we're going to compare, we're going to insult Trump based on things he said about McCain and McCain's such a war hero. Maybe we should, uh, see both sides of McCain. He wasn't perfect either. Right. One thing I want to throw in too, Ed, I think five days for a funeral is too long. Don't you think for anybody? Yeah, yeah exactly. And, I mean, you come know, on. If, you know, if it was Reagan, it'd be different, but you know, it's, uh, it's, he's not a president. Oh, the, the other thing I was going to say is, hmm. is, uh, my friend at the Victoria club, she goes, well, you know, you're, you're reading, you're reading this stuff that, that people that don't like him are saying you should read his book. And I said, I don't need to read his book. I watch the news. I see what's happening. I said, I heard for six or seven years, uh, McCain saying, we want to repeal Obamacare as soon as we get control of the, of, of the Senate and the House. We're going to repeal Obamacare. We knew that they couldn't do it while, while Obama was, in, was president because he would just veto it. And as soon as Trump became president, we had the House, the Senate, and the presidency. And they couldn't all decide on a repeal and replace. Okay, and this is the stuff we talked about last year when this happened. They couldn't decide on repeal and replace. So, okay, let's just do a clean repeal. Then we'll work on the replace. And he voted against it. He was the deciding vote. And I'm not saying it was him alone, but him being the leader that he was should have stepped up and 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 uh, stood by what he had been promising us all these years and voted to repeal Obamacare, and he didn't. And uh, and I just said, you know what? A guy hates hates Trump more than he more than he loves his country. There's a problem there. No, I, I would agree, uh, and I would say towards certainly towards the end of his career, McCain was a useful idiot for the left. I mean, even his funeral is like a political statement by banning Trump from showing up to his funeral at the same time he invited Obama to come. And by the way, this is something I didn't even know about it. Uh, Palin wasn't invited either, which yeah. I find very, very interesting. Yeah, Sarah Palin was was not invited, and 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 just before he died, he made a comment. I don't know, just before in the last few weeks, he made a comment that he wished he that he made a mistake by picking uh, Sarah Palin and he not not picking uh, Senator uh, Lieberman as his running mate. And you know what? For number one, that was uh, eight. That's ten years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it necessary for him to make that. To, to make that public because uh, Sarah Palin commented and she said it was a gut punch. 
Yeah, Sarah Palin was the best part of that campaign. That's just my humble opinion. Um, also, as we look back on John McCain, we all remember he was part of that gang of eight. These were senators who wanted to push through this comprehensive immigration reform, otherwise known as amnesty and continued open borders. Uh, that whole thing got shut down, interestingly enough, because of the outrage uh, from from people in, in the voting blocks all over this country that literally melted down the phone lines of the Senate to stop this mess. That would have been a disaster. Um, certainly McCain has been actively promoting this, this Russian collusion hoax, uh, instructing some of his aides, I guess, to pass on the Clinton finance dossier to the FBI. You remember that? Yep. Right. Yeah. We've been talking about it for two years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so McCain was on board with that whole, that whole conspiracy theory. And, and McCain's been kind of a never Trumper from the start. And when we talk about the things that Trump said about McCain and McCain said about Trump, I mean, McCain kind of started all of this. And I remember this, too, because when Trump was a candidate, uh, McCain said that Trump is, quote, firing up the crazies. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that got Trump like PO'd uh, and then Trump kind of retaliated in kind. But so so this has been going back and forth. I mean, he's he's been a never Trump. Noah has been a never. I'm sure he didn't vote for Trump, obviously. And he's been kind of trying to obstruct Trump's agenda from the start. Yeah, the uh, and you know, and we we saw we saw McCain in the in the uh, 2008 days when he was running for president as very as a very um, uh, well well mannered, even tempered. And now that now that uh, now that he's gone, the people keep commenting about his temper. And so I see, you know what he may he may sound you know professional and and uh, and even tempered when we hear him on on TV. But apparently there's a difference behind the behind the behind the closed doors when the cameras aren't on, the microphones aren't going. There's a different thing that his friends and his people that he worked with every day saw, which brings us back to Trump. Everybody, the people that don't like Trump don't like him because he makes comments that aren't very politically correct. But you know, he says what he thinks, he thinks what he says, and he mostly says what we think. You know, one interesting comment I can give you on, on this as well is that I have a relative who works in the Pentagon, and this guy was kind of a part of the role that he played was being a liaison between like um, McCain and the Pentagon. So he would drive McCain back and forth and spend a fair amount of time with him personally. And this, this guy said McCain was just a nightmare to be around. He was abusive to his staff, wasn't, as you said, wasn't very, this could collaborate what you just said. He wasn't very nice to his wife, was verbally abusive to his wife, just not a nice guy to be around. In all fairness, though, I also want to come back and say, if you have a brain tumor in your head, I'm sure that can definitely impact your personality. It can impact your behavior. Um, I've seen examples of this with other people. So I want to be kind of fair here, too. But knowing that you had a brain tumor, he should have should have resigned, should have put somebody else in that office. I would have I would have thought and I and he maybe shouldn't have even run in 2016 because he knew he had something. He knew he wasn't in good health. Yeah. So uh, Hillary Clinton, who uh, served alongside McCain, our favorite person uh, in the Senate, uh, said said this about Meet the Press and try to concentrate on what she's saying. And and we'll we'll talk about the the overall gist of what she's trying to say here. Oh, Chuck, I was listening to Tom and Andrea, and I think we could all talk for hours about what he meant to the country, what he meant to. Uh, the Senate, what he meant to a lot of us individually, uh, he leaves a legacy of service and courage. Uh, the courage, of course, uh, we all came to know because of his time as a POW, but getting up every day and working as hard as he did for the people of Arizona, for uh, the values that he cherished. Did she say anything? 
Uh, thank you for those comments from the pantsuit wearing robot from hell. Um, it's it's I don't know why it is, but ever she talks, my eyes just glaze over because there's like not much there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, well, he he worked so hard and he, he she didn't say anything. He accomplished <laughs> anything. Well, he was in a POW camp, yeah. and that's kind of that's kind of along with Trump. You know, Trump said, "Hey, you know what?" You, you ever, when he started taking shots at Trump, and Trump said, "Hey." Uh, he was a, he was captured. I like people that don't get captured, and uh, and made that comment. And no veteran ever let him live that down. And uh, happily, there was enough other good stuff that he said that he got elected because we'd be in a world of hurt if that lady was our uh, was our president. I do think one legitimate form of torture is having to listen to Hillary Clinton speeches. I know that okay. would be that that would be that would be worse than listening to uh you know Trump <laughs> Trump's doing those campaign speeches he's going out and and supporting these candidates all over the place and he mostly just talks about himself but uh but then he throws in a few nice words about the about the candidate one of the things that one of the things that came up was uh you know the the five day funeral and they're having him having his body in uh, lay in state in the Capitol Rotunda. Uh, I said, you know, what? why is he's a he's a uh, a senator? He's not a president. He's not any. You know, how many? I don't think I don't think there's been anybody in there that was a, a senator or congressman. Apparently, there has. Uh, but one of the guys on Facebook said, "Oh yeah, how about Kennedy? He was in there. I think he was referring to Ted Kennedy. Ted Kennedy was not laying laying in state in the uh, in the Capitol." Uh, but, you know, John F. Kennedy did, but he was a president. So here's here's a list of the people who've laid in state in the history of this country. Okay, 2018, Reverend Billy Graham. Okay, Senator Daniel Inouye from Hawaii in 2012. I tried to figure out why, I couldn't find it. So I don't know why. Maybe uh, maybe he's I don't know I don't know why they did. President Gerald R. Ford, civil rights activist Rosa Parks. You can see how these people are important to our history. President Ronald Reagan, policemen Jacob Joseph Chestnut and John Michael Gibson, who were uh, cops that were guarding the the uh, the Capitol and were shot. Someone came in with a gun and shot up the Capitol, and these two police uh, guys uh, died there. Um, Senator Claude Denson Pepper, he's a, a senator from Florida in 1989. Couldn't find anything specific about him, why he was given that honor. Unknown soldier of the Vietnam conflict was in 1984. Uh, Vice President Hubert Humphrey in 1978. President Lyndon Baines Johnson in 73. Director of the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover, 72. Congressman Everett McKinley Dirksen, he's a Illinois Republican. Don't know why he was given that honor in 69. President Dwight D. Eisenhower, President Herbert Clark Hoover, General Douglas MacArthur, uh, 64, President John F. Kennedy in 63, the unknown soldiers of World War II and the Korean War in 58, and Senator Robert A. Taft was the first one in 1953. He was a Republican from Ohio. Not sure uh, why he lay there, but uh, and I'm not sure why we're giving a five-day five day, uh, funeral to, uh, to uh, John McCain, but... Uh, those are our opinions. As everyone knows, the relationship be- between uh, McCain and Trump has been complicated one. Reportedly, McCain asked that Trump not be invited to attend his funeral. He asked Presidents Bush and Obama to eulogize him instead. Wait, you know that that Obama basically destroyed everything that's America for eight years, and you want him there to eulogize you. I don't get it. He's obviously not a Republican. And although President Trump tweeted this immediately after McCain's death was announced on Saturday, he said he tweeted, My deepest sympathies and respect go to the family of Senator John McCain. Our hearts and prayers are with you. Apparently it wasn't enough for the media. The, headline, uh, the headlines this week 
Washington Post, President Trump really doesn't want to talk about John McCain. The Guardian, five times Trump refused to pay tribute to John McCain. CNN, Trump finally orders the flags lowered to honor McCain. Then they complain about him when he raised it up two days afterwards, which apparently is was the rule for senators and congressmen as we understand it. Is that right? Yeah, as far as we know. Yep. And then apparently Congress went in and said, hey, we should uh, have it up. And they passed something saying that uh, they should leave it up until his... Uh, Till his funeral, and he put it right back up. And uh, here's a clip from uh, CNN and M- MSNBC, what they're saying. Not saying anything about this hero, this lion of a man. I'm so, it's despicable. It's despicable. The president who repeatedly refused to say anything about a war hero, despite being asked today again and again and again. Apparently, you see a bunch of press conferences where he's talking, and they keep saying, hey, do you have a comment on McCain? He just he just kept his mouth shut and pretended he didn't hear it because uh, it's not, you know, whatever he says, he's not going to get ahead. Hey, anyway, we're all out of time for part one of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of uh, traffic, weather, commercials, and some sports, and we'll be right back with you with part two. Don't go away. To the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I don't talk about a lot about real estate or finance on the radio because uh, most of you guys probably think it's boring unless you're in the market. But if you are in the market for a refinance, a reverse mortgage, uh, buy a house, buy a house to buy, uh, to live in, buy an investment property, buy a vacation home, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855 855- 640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020 or go to my website, wccloans.com. So uh, if, if you're just joining us with me as uh, almost every other week here is uh, Scott McAfee. He's been, he, he gave me three weeks on my own, I think, uh, but he's back in the house. Scotty? Ed, it's always great to be here. All right. See, you changed it up. I like that. All right. I like that. So if uh, if you missed the first half or if you uh, want if we want to bring you back to the mood from the first half, we've been talking about uh, John McCain and everybody's reaction to his uh, to his his uh, passing away last Saturday. Um, you know, and one of the things that we that we've kind of been hinting towards how hypocritical the behavior of the media is there. They just want you know what I, I tweeted this out. I said the only reason that he's getting a five day funeral is because. He doesn't like Trump. So that's so the media has just got behind him because, hey, look, one of Trump's enemies uh, uh, passed away. So let's just it's like a five day political statement. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's it's just an excuse to, to say some nasty stuff about Trump, um, which is pretty, uh, pretty, uh, pretty hypocritical. Um, here's Larry Elder on Fox's Outnumbered uh, on Monday. What he said about that. 
I'm seeing here is a parade of hypocrites. Uh, the praise that's coming out for John McCain, of course, is well-deserved. But where were these people praising his bipartisanship when he needed it in 2008 when he was running for president? The Washington Post admitted that they had more stories of Obama on the front page, more flattering stories of Obama, more photographs of Obama, more flattering photographs of Obama than McCain. Uh, the New York Times wrote a flattering editorial just the other day about John McCain, said we could use more men like him. Well, 2008, the New York Times in Obama for president had an editorial and it said that John McCain's campaign is run based on quote class warfare partisan divide and even hints of racism end of quote where were they then this is just outrageous the way they treated him in 2008 now all of a sudden he's this saint yep it's uh it's pretty amazing hey if if you love somebody tell them while they're alive if you respect someone tell them while they're alive it's uh it's uh Don and I have talked about this many times that uh you know after 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 you're gone that's when everybody says all the nice things to you so i'm just telling you right now uh if you guys love me tell me today you know while i'm alive scott i love you man thanks ed i love you too all right good okay we're having some we're having some bromance over here all right so uh while we're here hey dan we love you too buddy catching all our catching all our miss speaking fixing our gaffes exactly so uh let's get on let's get on to some fun stuff that's happening. Uh, President Trump said on Monday, Monday of this week, that uh, the United States and Mexico had reached an accord to revise key portions of the North American Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA. Uh, here's what the new agreement uh, between the U.S. and Mexico will do. I'll try to paraphrase it because it's kind of a technical as I'm reading here. Require that a car for require that for a car to move between the U.S. and Mexico without being subject to tariffs, 75% of the car must originate in a NAFTA country. Uh, this would be up from 62.5%. So uh, that means it needed to be manufactured either in Mexico, United States, or Canada. Okay, established that 40 to 45% of a car of a car or truck's content must be made by workers earning more than $16 an hour. This is a push that could help the U.S. retain more auto work. Uh, U.S. auto unions have been fighting for such a change for a long time. So, in other words, the the auto automakers send those factories down to Mexico because they'll work for uh, a nickel an hour down there. So it saves them money. But now that at least 40 to 45% of the car trucks content must be made by workers earning more than $16 an hour. So that pushes more jobs up here. Strengthen rules of origin for chemicals, steel, intensive products, glass, and optical fiber goods. Strengthen the rules for all that stuff. Uh, similar to autos, this would strengthen, strengthen the requirements for goods to move across the U.S.-Mexican border, border tariff-free. Toughen the rules for textile supply chains to push countries towards producing more apparel domestically. So, in other words, uh, toughen the rules for uh, clothing um, to uh, so that maybe we're not allowed to uh, buy the cheap stuff from China and uh, or Mexico. Uh, strengthen enforcement mechanisms for intellectual property violations and protect it against intellectual property. Protect intellectual property. For instance, the deal would set a minimum for copyright protection at 75 years. Um, I don't know what it is now. Um, establish zero tariff level for digital content. Uh, so zero tariffs for for buying uh, e-books and software. Uh, Mexico would raise its de minimis shipment value level to $100 from the current $50. I don't know really what that does. Makes it easier to send $100 shipments instead of $50 or to just declare it a little higher instead of declaring it a little lower so customs won't look what's in the box. Hey, it doesn't sound like very much, but it's a box of weed. Uh, so... Uh, 
after here's the good here's the good part. After the deal was announced, the peso rallied and the U.S. stocks rose. Standard and Poor's 500 index closing just short of 2,900. The Nasdaq Composite Index topping 8,000 for the first time, and the Dow Jones topped 26,000 for the first time. Automakers and railroads were among the top gainers. As he announced this move, Trump said he would drop the name NAFTA from the accord because of its unpopularity and suggested he was ready to shut Canada out of the pact if the country did not get on board quickly. I like to call this deal the United States-Mexico trade agreement. I think it's an elegant name. I think NAFTA has a lot of bad connotations for the United States because it was a ripoff. It was a deal that was a horrible deal for our country. And uh, I think it's got a lot of bad connotations to a lot of people. And so we will uh, probably, uh, you and I will agree to uh, the name. Uh, We will see whether or not uh, we decide to put up Canada or just do a separate deal with Canada if they want to make the deal. The simplest deal is more or less already made. You know, I think anything we can do that will improve, obviously our improve our own economy, but even improve the economy of Mexico if possible, that's a good thing too, because if the Mexican economy is vibrant and there's jobs and there's money down there, that's probably less likely then that people will want to come over here. Makes sense. I mean, yeah. I have family over in Mexico too. These are kind of middle-class folks or business owners. So, you know, I kind of get the inside scoop from them and, you know, again, they're these people are actually pro-Trump, believe it or not. Uh, yep, and uh, and people people want to just oh look, the North American Free Trade Agreement's been in in uh, here since 1993 or 1994, and uh, everybody everybody look, Trump just stomps on it, and look at what they put the tariffs on. It's going to create a trade war. Hey, you know what? He's just improving things. Hey, we're going to cancel this, and we're going to renegotiate it. It's not a good deal, and everybody knows everybody knows that. And uh, kudos to uh, President Trump for being a businessman and knowing what a bad deal is, what a good deal is. A recent grand jury investigation in the 6th Catholic Diocese in Pennsylvania and allegations that led to the resignation last month of ex-Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, the former Archbishop of Washington, D.C., have thrust the Catholic Church back into the spotlight there. Um, The grand jury report estimated 300 Roman Catholic priests in Pennsylvania molested more than 1,000 children and possibly more since the 1940s which I don't know how they track that since the 1940s, and accused senior church officials, including McCarrick, of systematically covering up the complaints. Amid the chaos, some Catholic bishops are asking for a meeting with Pope Francis to discuss the crisis, and one leader, Chicago Cardinal Blaise Kupich, is calling for the Pope to lay off the liberal politics and focus on this problem. The Pope has a bigger agenda. He's got to get on with other things, of talking about the environment and uh, protecting uh, migrants and carrying on the work of the church. We're not going to go down a rabbit hole on this. You know, Ed, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm, I'm coming at this situation as a practicing non-Catholic. What that means, and by the way, I think that's still better than a non-practicing Catholic, otherwise, in my opinion, known as a phony. My wife is a devout Catholic. I've been to more Catholic masses than most Catholics. I'm also a, uh, an usher in the church, which, of course, uh, uh, my job is to put Catholics in their place. Sorry, I had to recycle that joke one exactly. more time. Exactly. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, um, but I can say based on my observation, this is, this is the church's worst nightmare 
Um, and and it's it's a huge mess, and it seems to go who, who knows perhaps all the way to the to the top. Uh, by the way, on a side note, I do think if you're Catholic and you're voting Democrat, you are a fraud. You obviously don't know what the teachings of the church are. Just thought I'd throw that in there. But but this is a problem that's been going back for a long, long time. And, and one of the things that came out recently within the past week is a letter from an Archbishop Carlo Vigano, who is actually uh, an insider in the Vatican. He was a representative um, to the United States from the Vatican. This guy put out this 11-page letter that names names, tells it like it is, and it's just, I mean, the guy's got, I don't know what the word I can use on the air, cojones of steel to come out with this letter. Hutzpah. Oh, he's got a whole lot of hutzpah. He's like naming names. Uh, Just a couple little quick excerpts from his 11-page letter, which I read. Uh, This is something he says. He says, bishops and priests abusing their authority have committed horrendous crimes to the detriment of their faithful, minors, innocent victims, and young men eager to offer their lives to the church or by their silence have not prevented that such crimes continue to be uh, perpetrated. Um, He also says that we must have the courage to tear down the culture of secrecy and publicly confess the truths we have kept hidden. We must tear down the conspiracy of silence for which bishops and priests have protected themselves at the expense of their faithful. A conspiracy of silence that in the eyes of the world risks making the church look like a sect. A conspiracy of silence not so dissimilar from the one that prevails in the mafia. He also goes on, and this is this is probably again, this guy's got courage. He says, Pope Francis must be the first to set a good example for cardinals and bishops who covered up McCarrick's abuses and resigned along with all of them. So he's basically saying the Pope must go. Um this this again, it's a deep problem. This this is a huge problem. Again, it's it's the worst nightmare. And I guess one of the things I'd bring up is where's the media on all this? So so what that letter is saying is they want they want uh, the Pope to drain the swamp. Well, exactly. And if the Pope doesn't drain the swamp, then they're saying the Pope himself is part of the swamp. The Pope hasn't said anything about this, really. There's been very little comments. The one comment that you just um, that we just played, I mean, that's that's like horrific that that the Pope should focus on climate change, migrants, and and what redistribution of wealth uh, instead of this this problem, which is the one of the biggest crises the church has ever faced. Yeah, it's uh, it's you know that that's the the good thing about our society is. Um, we police ourselves, you know, our government by the people, of the people, for the people. And when we find out that something's going on behind the scenes, and of course this has nothing to do with the Catholic Church, but I think there's a parallel. We find something that's going on uh, behind the scenes, we rise up, you know, we speak up, we say something and say, hey, this has to stop and this uh, injustice, you know, but you know, we, we say something. Yeah, I mean, we're talking thousands of lives that have been wrecked here. And again, I come back to, you know, why hasn't the media been talking about this? Well, for one thing, they like this pope. Why do they like this pope? Well, this pope tends to lean kind of left, in case you haven't noticed. I mean, he, what is he What is he concerned about? Concerned about climate change. He's concerned about income inequality. He's concerned about migrants that are like flooding into Europe and like destroying that whole piece of real estate um, instead of dealing with this issue. And this issue, you get, it's got to be dealt with like, and I mean head on and hard. And if they don't want to deal with it, then law enforcement should deal with it. And heads need to roll. Some of these cardinals, some of these bishops, these priests that have committed these crimes need to go to prison. And part of the issue, of course, is the statute of limitations. We're talking something that's going back to the to the 40s, you know, uh, going back and uncovering all this mess is going to be a daunting exercise. But this is a great opportunity for the Catholic Church to put its house in order, to literally clean house, get these pedophiles the hell out of there and rebuild this, this organization. Maybe uh, requiring priests to be celibate is just not a natural thing. 
Well, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, and, and I've looked at this from the standpoint, and I want to say, you know, something that I haven't heard anybody else say is like, how did this issue happen in the first place? And, and it's not that, and I know a lot of great priests, and, and one of the things my heart aches about is there's a lot of great priests that have now been tarnished by this mess because people will look at priests in a whole different light now, understandably. Um, but it's like, how did, how did this even happen? Men did not join the priesthood and, and became homosexual pedophiles homosexual pedophiles have looked at the priesthood and thought that this was an opportunity and an avenue to get access to kids under the guise of, of authority and, and trust. And, and that's, that's something that I don't hear anybody saying. I mean, this is, this is a big problem. It's not like the church creates pedophiles. It's that pedophiles have found the church as just a, as a great vehicle uh, to, to perpetrate these crimes. That is an interesting perspective. I've never heard anybody vocalize, especially not on the radio. Well, you know, but the time the, the church has to clean house. They got a clean house, and and if that means the Pope himself needs to step down, then then so be it. Um, but you can't just let this kind of stuff go on. You can't turn a blind eye to it. Um, otherwise, the church has lost any and all credibility. Yeah, they need to they need to drain the swamp in the church. It's yep. like we need to we need to continue to drain the swamp in uh, in Washington D.C. because we're a long way from being uh, empty of swamp creatures out there. So let's go on to something uh, a little bit. A little bit less intense. Well, maybe it depends on what mood we're in. Um, it's football season again, and uh, while the media wants to uh, wants us to believe that all athletes, especially African American athletes, hate pres hate the president because of his criticism of players who won't salute the national anthem, those those who know him personally are voicing their support. On Fox and Friends this week, uh, NFL Hall of Famer and activist Jim Brown praised President Trump's accessibility and willingness to listen and denied claims that the president was a racist. The greatest thing about America is that we all have our opinions and our thoughts. Nobody is totally correct in everything that they do. I have access to the president, and anytime I have access to the president and he will listen to my thoughts, that's all I can ask of him. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, saw that interview. He's a he's a pretty good. Uh, he the, there was a long interview. I watched it for about fifteen minutes, and it was uh, Jim Brown has his head head on pretty straight, as far as he's uh, got perspective. Got perspective, and maybe it's because he's old. Maybe it's because he's old because you know he's had chance to gain wisdom. But then there's Tiger Woods. He's also someone who's known Trump for years on the golf course. Refused to fall into the reporter's trap during a press conference this week. The question was, what do you say to people who think it's interesting that you have such a friendly relationship with him? Well, he's our—he's the president of the United States, and you have to respect the, the, the office. And no matter who's in the office, um, you may like, dislike um, personality or the, the politics, uh, but we all must respect the office. Yeah, it, uh, we and we were talking before beforehand. Um, you all, all must respect the office. I respect the office, but I, I would say that if uh, if when if if I was invited to the White House while uh, while Obama was president, I just don't know if I would have gone. I would go in a heartbeat. I think it'd be a hoot. I'd like to. I'd like <laughs> to. You know what? I you know when jo uh, Joey Jones was on here, he told the story of being in the White House and uh, and talking to to Obama. And for those of you who don't know, Joey Jones is a Retired, uh, retired Marine, uh, IED, uh, uh, explode or EOD, explosives, ordnance disposal, 
uh, technician and who lost his legs in Afghanistan. And you see him on uh, on uh, Fox News pretty regularly. And uh, he's been on my on my show several times. And he t- he told me about the story that um, being in the in the White House for this dinner and they had all these generals and uh, talking to Obama while he's standing there with his robo legs hanging out. And then uh, at the dinner, he was sitting right next to him. And he said, Joey, if you could if you could have changed something in Afghanistan, what would you do? He goes, I would have taken one step to the left. And Obama didn't get it because, of course, his legs are under the table. Didn't pick, figure out that didn't didn't put two and two together. In other words, and Joey, I think Joey took it as as apparently you're not paying attention because you that should be a, that should be an easy that should be an easy one. He took it as, well, hey, you don't get it. I would have stepped one step to the left because I where I stepped took both my legs and. Anyway, Obama's Obama's a moron, so uh, I'm glad he's gone, and I don't miss him one little bit. So uh, on ESPN, which is now more politics than it is sports, Max Kellerman reacted to Tiger this way. Tiger Woods is being, is, you said being slick. Here he's being slick. We must respect the office, therefore that confers respect to the occupant. Tiger, is that what you're saying? If that's what you're saying, that is a stupid comment. I don't, but I don't even know if he believes that that's what he's saying. Um, you know, is ESPN sport? I thought it was a sports channel, Ed. I thought it was too. I don't this, watch it very often. This guy sounds like Jim Cramer, the guy that talks about stocks. Doesn't he sound like, he sounds kind of like a lunatic. Yeah. Is he still on CNBC? I have no idea. Uh, the one thing that, you know, the left's got to hate comments from Tiger Woods and Jim Brown and Kanye West, by the way, three very prominent, influential African-American uh, individuals, uh, because the more these guys talk, the more Trump's approval ratings in the black community go up. And it's and it's no small part to these guys' comments. I mean, they're, they're influential. And as more and more of these guys come out, uh, Trump's starting to swing the black vote, I think, Ed. Yeah, indeed. I think uh, we need more, more of them to come out. We also need some of you Jewish people out there that uh, have your heads screwed on straight uh, as far as Trump goes to be talking to your people as well because uh, just like what uh, Scott said about Catholics voting Democrat— you Jews seem to vote Democrat, but you guys are supposed to be the chosen smart people about money and uh, everything that Obama did, everything Obama did and everything uh, just doesn't make any sense that you guys would have supported Obama. And uh, we need to turn that turn that around. Uh, otherwise, we're just going to think otherwise about that smart thing. I'm sure there's a fair amount of them that are closet Trumpers, right? Like they'll actually vote for Trump and in public they won't like endorse him they might even come out against him publicly well, i know i know ben shapiro, it's good for business ben shapiro was rather anti-trump mm-hmm. during the election but i think since then he's uh he goes man i remember him saying one time hey if i realized he was gonna make decisions like this i would have supported him because he just he just thought he was posing as a conservative to get the, the nomination but he was secret he thought he was mccain so hey i i'm calling myself a republican but i really aren't i'm really not um, so Ben Shapiro is a, a good Jewish guy that's, that's out there, uh, supporting the conservative movement. We need a few of the rest of you out there, uh, coming from a, coming from a Jewish family. Uh, I can tell you that, uh, I have some in my family that haven't been converted yet. Uh, my, and you know what, it's funny as I was talking to somebody in the office the other day saying, Hey, you know what? The, the guy, the guy's asking me, Hey, what's the catch here? Is this really the right thing to do? I said, if you were my brother, this is what I'd suggest. And uh, and we talked about one time. I said that to uh, to one of the bar, one of my listeners that called in. She goes, well, if and I said, if you were my sister, 
I, this is what I'd refer you to. She goes, well, you don't like your sister very much. I go, I got two sisters. I got one. I got one local that lives in La Mirada, and I got one that, uh, or La Habra. I'm sorry, lives in La, La Habra. And I like her, but my one in uh, in Pennsylvania, I love her. She's my sister, but I don't like her very much because she's just not very smart because she's a Democrat. So uh, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe we can maybe she'll maybe she'll. Uh, She'll drink the same juice that your sister did and, and come around. Maybe we'll get them on the phone together. Yeah, someday. That'd be cool. Someday. someday. <laughs> so we got a few minutes left. Let's talk about uh, CNN lies. Uh, remember the so-called bombshell last month that CNN ran around the clock? The story that uh, Trump's former lawyer, Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, knew that the president knew about the June 2016 Trump Tower meeting with the Russian lawyer because he had supposedly heard Donald Jr. tell his father about it. Remember how Cohen's lawyer, uh, Clinton ally, Lanny Davis was asked to comment as if he was merely reacting to the story. Well, now we know that Lanny Davis, Lanny Davis, well, well, Lanny Davis, uh, he was actually the source of the story. Uh, He actually gave it to the Washington Post writer, Carl Bernstein, who, if you've seen uh, All the President's Men, he was one of the two guys that broke the Watergate case. Uh, And Davis admits he can no longer confirm that the story is even true. Here's a refresher on what we heard back in July. Listen to CNN say Lanny Davis declined to comment on the story. Well, Chris, tonight, sources with knowledge tell myself and Carl that Michael Cohen claims that then-candidate Donald Trump knew in advance about the June 2016 meeting in Trump Tower in which Russians were expected to offer his campaign dirt on Hillary Clinton. Crucially, these sources tell us that Cohen is willing to make that assertion to the special counsel, Robert Mueller. I should say that contacted by CNN, one of Cohen's attorneys, that is Lanny Davis, he declined to comment. And of course, Chris, I know you're speaking to Rudy Giuliani, the president's attorney, and I'll leave his response to you. Yeah, and here's how Lanny Davis responded then, speaking to Anderson Cooper. He couldn't even keep his story straight back then. You said that Michael Cohen was present for a meeting with then-candidate Trump and his son Don Jr. about the Trump Tower meeting. This is obviously an incredibly important issue. You've also said that Michael Cohen testified truthfully to the Senate Intelligence Committee, and according to the chair and the vice chair of the committee, he told them that he had no knowledge of the meeting until he saw it in the press. How can both those things be true? Either he knew about the meeting or he didn't know about the meeting. Well, I think um, the reporting of this story got mixed up, and in the course of a criminal investigation. We were not the source of the story. I don't think I want Lanny representing me. Uh, by the way, where the hell's the crime in all this, Ed? Yeah, and I, it's, it's kind, of, it kind of reminds me of a scene from uh, my cousin Vinny. Uh, <laughs> you know, hey, how did you cook breakfast in five minutes if it takes the whole grit-eating world 15 <laughs> to 20 minutes for water to soak into a grit? I, I may have been mistaken this whole thing with Michael Cohen, look, if you put you or me in a courtroom and threaten us with years or life sense, I think you'd probably get us to say just about anything. Ed. Yeah, exactly. I guess so. So, uh, hey, uh, we're out of time for this episode of the main event. Scott, thanks for uh, joining me once again. Ed, always a pleasure. And uh, for the rest of you, thanks for listening to the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman, and I'll be back again with you next week. Views expressed on this program are of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 0114747 NMLS 9873 and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB Number 096199.